0: Welcome back to the Underage Packers Podcast. I am Joey. Welcome to episode 75. We got an exciting one on hands, don't we, Big B? Oh, yes. Very,
1: very exciting guest today.
0: Yes, indeed. We are interviewing Rob Domofsky of ESPN. You know, last week, I was thinking, we were like, man, we really would love to have Rob Domofsky on. Interesting guy. Uh, great at his job. Uh, a lot of big stories this offseason. season. So, you know, I was thinking, oh, I could DM Wes, DM Nagler, see, you know, where where can we get in contact with Rob because neither of us us can private message him. So instead of doing that, bothering Wes or Aaron, I was like, you know what, let me just tweet it out there. Hey, Rob, you want to you want to come on our show? Uh, So tweeted that out. He private messaged me with some details. We got that all worked out and we ended up having a great conversation with Rob. Um, about his career, he had some fantastic stories in there about uh, Jamal Williams and some Mm -hmm. other uh, great stories. Ron Wolf, a lot of uh, fantastic, um, fantastic stories from Rob. So it's definitely worth a listen here today. Um, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Big B, any final thoughts before we throw it to our interview?
1: Um,
0: No, let's just throw it right to the interview.
1: Let's do it. We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. You have a kind of a reputation
0: of being the youngest, the youngest diehard fan. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing.
2: Hey guys, let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right?
0: are here with the coolest of cool dudes here from ESPN uh don't mistake his bald head for Matt Hasselbeck it is actually Rob Demosky. Rob thanks so much for coming on the show
2: Joey Brandon great to be with you guys and I don't know if your standard of cool is pretty low if that's (laughs) what my my kids would not say that I'm anywhere near that so Uh,
0: I no I I would I would say you're very cool you know I was I was just having a conversation with uh, my friend Matt Ramage's past week, like our our version of like the guests we aspire to have on, it's like most people, it's players and stuff, but like Wes Hockwitz, Mike Spofford, you're pretty much our Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander guest interviews, you know.
2: Well I hope I hope then that means Wes is like uh long snapper or punter.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Wes is the the long uh, the practice squad uh, kicker just trying to get his name out there, build the brand.
2: Hey, you, you gotta ask next time you have Wes on, ask mm-hmm. him how I almost ended his career before it started. Oh boy. And it has something to do with him hanging up on Jim Morris Sr.
0: <laughs> oh boy, I, I'm sure that's a that's a great story. And I, I'm sure there's two different viewpoints. <laughs> uh, before we get into the less important stuff, you said something. Before we started recording that, I, I think we just have to talk about uh, your love for Dr. Pepper. Now, I mean, I'm sure all of our viewers know that me and Big B, we have gone maybe five, six episodes in our whole run without a Dr. Pepper by our side. Um, so, so you drink one every day?
2: Diet Dr. Pepper, which it looks like, Joey, you have yep. the diet.
0: Right. And right.
2: Brandon, you've got the, the full on. Have you guys tried the zero? The, the
0: I Dr. have. Zero. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, I and, and I am also partial to the fountain version of, mm. of the Diet Dr. Pepper. I just think it's even better. Not that there's anything right. wrong with the regular Dr. Pepper, but the fountain version just takes it up another level. So I'm all about a stop at Quick Trip for a big buddy Diet Dr. Pepper pretty much every day. I tried, there was like a year <laughs> where I tried to kick it. Um, no, and, and it, just, it didn't take. And I've been trying to get like I every once in a while I'll tweet something using the Dr Pepper Twitter handle, and I've yet to right. get anything from them. Quick story: about five years ago, Wes Wildy and I and Bill Huber tweeted something at Tic Tacs, and the <laughs> Tic Tac they sent us like cases and oh cases my of god, Tic-Tac, like stuff I didn't even flavors I didn't even know existed. We had Tic Tacs, honest to goodness. We had enough Tic Tacs for the four of us. To divide up for like a year and a half, so I'm still waiting for Dr. Pepper. To get
0: on board. That is so funny that you brought that up because me and Big B we've been talking like these past four months when like since we've made Dr. Pepper a part of our brand, we need to get sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Like we don't even need what you just said or like full on sponsorship where we shout them out every episode. We'll do that for free, but just like send us a shirt or something, give yeah. us some recognition, man. Like, well, keep
2: pushing them on Twitter.
0: Right. right. We'll, we'll eventually get that Dr. Pepper notice. Yes. Um, so let's start off. Uh, me and Bibby, we always, when we're talking to people like you, experienced vets in the journalism field, um, you know, the both of us really want to be uh, somewhere in that field uh, for a career one day. So we like to get uh, mm-hmm. kind of realizing the most paths. And like I, I just love to look at uh, different reporters' LinkedIn pages <laughs> to see all of their uh, career paths so give us rob kind of a a walk down of uh everything you've done in life since you graduated high school every single thing
2: well you guys are way way ahead of me because when i was your age i first of all none of this existed but second of all i never even thought about trying things and so i really didn't i mean i knew i wanted to be a reporter okay and i grew up in chicago don't hold that against me um my dad worked in the city he was a stockbroker and he would bring um bring newspapers home every day on the train we got the suburban newspaper delivered to the house the daily herald arlington heights full suburban paper but my dad would bring home the tribune and the sun times on the train and i would just i'd read it i shouldn't say cover to cover because i'd really skip the news sections and (laughs) the the finance sections and went right to the sports section but I, i guess i didn't realize until i started reading papers just what how many different jobs there are you know like i never realized like they had different people covering baseball different people covering basketball whatever the case may be and i just loved reading like the news and nuggets like you know the big stories fine like the the long feature stories i guess were um fine game stories but i always went to the they were called notebooks at the time just basically you know blurbs little blurbs with interesting things And, and to me that was the stuff that i thought man That was really, really cool. And I kind of wanted to be somebody who find Where do they find that stuff out? You know, like, I wanted to be the guy who found that stuff out. Um, So anyway, went to um, journalism school, um, did the whole thing where you go to your high school counselor and they say, what do you want to do? And I say, I think I want to be a sports writer. And they give you a list of, you know, 10 or 20 schools that are good for journalism. And um, like the first school they gave me on the list was Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. I really didn't know anything about it, but my dad at the time was working for a company based in Columbus, Ohio. And he had friends that had kids that went there. And so um, Athens, Ohio is about an hour and a half from Columbus. So one, I think it was summer before my senior year. I think, yeah, summer before my senior year of high school, we flew to Columbus, drove down to Athens, visited the campus, thought it was the most, just the coolest campus, a little small town, but it was a cool college town um and said oh this seems pretty cool um later that fall I went and visited a, a friend of mine who was a year older than me he was a freshman there when I was a senior I went and visited him he was a journalism major um we went to the football game they were terrible I think they were winless um, you know left after halftime when the band played and that night you know snuck me into a couple bars and I said well I'm 17 years old I'm in a bar and a college town I'm like this, I came home and told my parents, this is where I'm going. <laughs> anyway, um, actually went there thinking that I wanted to be in broadcasting. Um, they had like, if you were in the journalism school, there was broadcast, uh, news writing, advertising, and like public relations. I, I actually started in broadcast and then realized that um, because it was such a small town, there really wasn't a lot of, there weren't a bunch of TV stations where you could get experience. There was one student run TV station, but quite frankly, it just didn't seem very good. So I think it was my sophomore year. I um, met some guys that worked at the student newspaper and it was a five day a week paper, like put out every day by completely by the students. There was the only adult in the place was like the the guy who ran the business aspect of it, but it was completely independent. Um, The journalism professor sort of, you know, they, they, not that they had involvement in it, but they were very much in favor of, you know, students working there. And yeah. I think my first beat was covering the Ohio University volleyball team. I didn't know anything. No, no, I'm sorry. It was cross country. That was my first <laughs> beat. They had no cross country meets at home. Like, and I wasn't traveling to the like Western Michigan Central. I So I wrote stories about something I never, ever saw in person, literally never saw. Uh, I'd go to practice, I'd interview the players or the runners, the coach, and I'd come up, I just have to come up with these feature stories. Anyway, progressed to, you know, next year I covered a softball team, next year volleyball or next semester. Finally, by my junior senior year, I got to cover the football and basketball teams, which was, and we treated it like it was a real job. I mean, I we did travel, we went to all the games. And the, the professors at that point were like, if you have to miss class because you're going to cover a game, go ahead. That's more you're you're getting real experience. Sure. Um, it's more important. Um,
0: so, so on that newspaper it was like an actual beat where you would have one team. Yep, yeah,
2: you know, if there whatever if there were 10, 12 sports or whatever there were at the school, there was a different, you know, writer assigned to each to each sport. Uh, okay. and if your sport was not in the season, then you you edited or you you laid out, you know, you did design and copy editing and things like that. So, um, my senior year, I got an internship at the Columbus Dispatch, which was big—you know, one of the biggest papers in the state of Ohio. It would be like the Journal Sentinel or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was in news, um, and so I spent like if it was like an eight-week internship, I spent a week with the government reporter, a week with the cops reporter, you know, a week with the education reporter. So you kind of get to write stories and see what each one of them did. At the end of the that year. They actually offered me a job, but it was as a news reporter. And I ended up applying for, uh, actually didn't even apply, but the local paper in Athens, Ohio, the real paper, not the student newspaper, had an opening for someone to cover Ohio U football and basketball, which is basically what I'd been doing as a student. But now I'd be doing it for the quote unquote real paper. <laughs> and the pay for that job was like half of what the job at the Columbus Dispatch would have paid. But, the, but, I, but you know I could have made twice the money but it was going to be in news. And I just said, you know what? I I wanted to go in this for journalism, but I really wanted to go in it to be a sports writer. Mm. So I took the half pay job. Uh, did it for two years. Uh, got another job at a really small newspaper in upstate New York, covering basically high school sports for two years. Uh, so now at this point I'm four years out of college, 25, 26 years old. And I applied for a job at the green Bay press Gazette covering the the Packers and UWGB basketball. And, I got the job, and to be honest with you, I thought I'd stay in Green Bay for two, three years, and you know, move on. You know, like ultimately, was hoping to be at you know the Chicago Tribune the paper I grew up reading. Ended up, you know, staying here at the Press Gazette for 16 years. Probably would have still would still be there if ESPN hadn't come along in 2013 and say they wanted to have a reporter designated to cover every team. Um, so I got a call in late 2012, early 2013. Saying hey, we wanna we wanna have a reporter on every team, and we'd like you to be our Packers guy. Are you interested? And I'm like, oh, am I interested? <laughs> yeah. you know, where do I sign? Right. Um, so, I mean, we were the we were the guys in college that you know we'd watch SportsCenter all night. You know, and, and at that time, you guys probably don't realize it, but at that time, they did one sports center at like eleven o'clock, and it just repeated hour after. It was the same show, like. Wow. We didn't tape a new show, there wasn't a new anchor. I mean, it was like the same, and we'd sit up and watch it at 11, we'd watch it at 12, we'd watch it at 1 a.m. just the same show over and over. So, yeah, ESPN, sure. And and, and I guess that's where I that's how we got to where I am today.
0: Oh, wow, that's awesome! So, when you applied to um, the press, the Green Bay Press, was that because that was the job open, there's professional yeah, team. So,
2: so, at the time, um, uh, believe it or not, there, there was like a magazine a weekly magazine called Editor and Publisher that had classified advertising for newspaper jobs. And literally, you go to the, you know, first thing I did wasn't read the articles in it. I went to the back of the thing, looked at what jobs were open. Um, And, you know, I never really thought about, like, oh, living in Green Bay or whatever. When I was a kid in Chicago, my neighbors um, had a summer cottage in Shawnee. So I used to come up here and, you know, go to their cottage and never really thought, like, about living up here uh, really never thought i didn't think anybody actually lived here i thought it was where everyone from illinois went for the weekend <laughs> um, but yeah you know just applied for it interviewed uh pete doherty and chris hovel took me out to dinner and oh uh, wow inter- and then i got offered the job and took it so i started um i believe i started at the press gazette week five of the 1997
0: season Whoa.
2: i think if i remember right um I'd have to look at the media guide, but I think they played the Lions on the road, uh, week four of the '97 season, and I started that Monday. The next day, I didn't even have cable hooked up in my apartment. I had to go to a bar and watch the game on TV um, so that I could, you know, know what the hell happened. Uh, I'm sorry, week it was week one, two, three. The week five game was at Detroit. And I started that Monday after September 29th, 1997. The first game I covered was a home game against Tampa. And then the next week was a road game at Chicago. So,
0: man, you have uh, like a photographic memory. I don't know what the word of Like remember your first got James. i tell you game a quick current, story like, about
2: that first road game.
0: Uh-huh. Um, and
2: I actually ended up, I think I may have written this at some point, uh, but I didn't realize, and I would have no reason to realize this, but on road games, Like the Packers front office people and their scouts, they sit in the press box with us, okay? So like I'm at Soldier Field, the reporters are in the front row, and like Bob Harlan, Ron Wolf, all the scouts are in the row behind me. I didn't even realize it. So we're I'm nervous, whatever, never covered a game on the road. I'm sitting there with my notebook and watching the first kickoff, and Pete Doherty's sitting next to me. And somebody on the Packers gets hurt on the kickoff um, and the game, you know, they're attending to them. And, and keep in mind, a press box is quiet. Like they make this announcement before the game, this is a working environment, no cheering, you know, and all of a sudden I hear from behind me, and I hope I can say this on your, on your podcast, but I hear this voice behind me go drag his ass off the field and let's play. And I, didn't, I looked at Pete and I was like, who the hell is that? And it Pete's like, that's that's Ron Wolf. And I go, yeah. and Wolf think that about one of his own players? Like, and I was just saying, well, this is I was, that was like sort of like my welcome to the NFL moment. Oh. Like, wow, like this really is a business. Just drag <laughs> drag this poor injured guy off the field and throw somebody else out there. Oh. Saying that oh. about one of his own players.
0: That is a fantastic story. Um Big B here now is a, a varying question. Thanks for that story. that whole story. That was incredible um big b has a a very very dire question about the okay. packers beat one of the packers beat writers so let's hear it <laughs> all right
1: very very important why is tom silverstein's nickname spoon
2: you, you know what he's been spoon ever since i got here i think and i don't know this i just always assumed it was a playoff silver spoon like um silver you know like there's a you guys probably I've no, never even heard this expression, yeah. but there's a expression that someone was born with a silver spoon in their mouth means they were born like rich. Yeah. Not yeah, that yeah. spoon is rich at all. Um, he's whatever, but I think it was just silver spoon Silverstein. I think I've never actually asked him. That would be my guess, but yeah, everybody calls him Spoon.
0: Wow, we'll have to we'll have even to LaFleur, look. Around.
2: Like the other day, Lafleur called him Spoon, and Lafleur's you know. He doesn't, hasn't been around long enough, that yeah. long to know, to know us or whatever. But um, yeah, He's, he called him Spoon the other day.
0: We'll, def- we'll have to find out some more about that one. I thought
2: you were going to ask me something juicy about Wes.
0: <laughs> yeah. so Wes
2: and I, like, Wes is one of my best friends or whatever. And, but we have this, like, on Twitter, like, we make, you know, kind of take cracks yeah. at each other. And people think that we, like, it's like a real fight. Like, we, <laughs> God, we hate each other so we keep it up just for you know people who think that it's actually real
0: but. yeah you know i just, i can tell that you guys are joking but andy herman and peter Bukowski are friends that i i can sometimes they get too feisty i can't tell if they're joking or not
2: Yeah, well, um,
0: so I, kidding <laughs> um big b's got one more question here and then uh we'll move on to uh, a few other topics here all
1: right i feel like i ask everybody this but what is your favorite jamal williams story
2: <laughs> I cannot tell, I cannot tell my favorite oh. Jamal Williams story on this. And, and even if, this, <laughs> even if you could go X-rated, I still couldn't tell it, but I'll, I will say this. This is the only thing I'll say. Is Jason Willie and I were talking to him in the locker room one day, and this is the, the things that you miss about being in a locker room that we're not there now with the COVID rules. But we were just standing in the corner of the locker room, really not doing anything because we had nobody to talk to. I think it was a Friday, all of our stories for the week were done and Jamal comes we we're just kind of standing by where the players exit we we're just kind of standing there Jamal stops and talks to us and somehow or another we got onto the topic of how he ended up at BYU okay BYU is a mormon school where you can't can't drink can't smoke can't even have doc, Dr Pepper no can mormons can't yeah. even drink caffeine and certainly no in things about engaging with members of the yeah 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 and I'm not, I cannot Say anymore, but he basically said oh no uh, uh, he never followed the I'm not more he said. He goes, I'm not Mormon. I didn't have to follow those rules. So I was doing this and this. I, I can't oh, get, god. Not words. Get Wildy on, maybe he'll tell you the story. But I'm I, I, I can not say
0: it. <laughs> I think uh we, we can fill in the blanks there. No one what I'm pretty sure small <laughs> faced some suspensions for something. Uh, <laughs> uh wow, that that was uh no, but I expect- character.
2: He is a he is a serious character. I, I think I remember. I think it was Jamal Williams. One time, we were standing around with about six or eight reporters, a couple camera people, and uh, he he had gum in his mouth. And he before we started talking, he took the gum out and stuck it behind his ear. And we were like, "What are you doing?" He's like, oh, "I was saving it for after the interview." <laughs> I'm Love pretty that. sure that was Jamal Williams.
0: I think. Wow, what a guy! well yeah. uh, let, Let's talk about this off season, uh, Rob. There's obviously I, I don't, I don't longest, think off, I your,
2: longest off season of my life.
0: I yeah. I mean, I don't think I saw your name around too much. <laughs> um. Yeah. Nothing too much happened. Oh. Um. But obviously Aaron Rodgers situation. Yeah. Uh, you were kind of a, a big reporter uh, for that, a big information gatherer, as it seemed. Um. So when. You know, obviously we're not trying to seek any unheard info out of you, but when did you really start hearing that Aaron wasn't wasn't too happy with Packers?
2: Well, I think and and I don't think it, you know, it took anybody that had any inside access, but I think you just listened to his press conference after the NFC championship game. I mean, we all, you know, we were we, look, with press conference ends, the reporters talk amongst themselves, you know, obviously you're competitive. You're not, you know, sharing information, but at that, when something like that happens, I, I remember a couple of us saying, wow, did he just say goodbye? You know, was that, was that yeah. his. And and so I think that was a red flag. And, and look, even Aaron said the minute they drafted Jordan love, you know, things changed, but um you know, when he said that after the season about, I don't remember what his exact phrasing was after the NFC championship game, but he just sounded like a guy who was saying goodbye. And then, you know, there's a couple of mile markers where, you know, they, they could have done things and they didn't like they could have, you know, look, he won the MVP and they could have said, you know what, we're recommitting to you. I know he has a contract, whatever, but these guys want to be assured things. And, uh, you know, they certainly could have done something there. You know, he had the roster bonus in March that they ended up not touching or not converting, um, you know, which would then push money out to future years, which would then make it harder for them to move on. And they didn't do any of that. And and I remember, I did have a conversation with Rogers in early April um, and it was about Jeopardy. It was, I did a story on right before the Jeopardy thing. It was one of the most enjoyable interviews that I've had with them. Um, it was just a really fun conversation. I think he even went on Pat McAfee a couple of days later and said, uh uh, you know, McAfee loves to call me Bob and tweak me. And he said, Yeah, Bob, it was one of my favorite conversations with Bob, you know, Roger said. And at the end at the end of that conversation, we talked just a little bit about football, not, you know, it was more just kind of shooting the breeze. And it was nothing that he said, but I, I hung up the phone with him going, um, boy, I I think he's resigned to playing one more year and that's it. Okay. So at that time, early April, I thought, okay, he knows this 2021 season is going to be his last year sometime in the next, what, two, three weeks. It all, you know, it blew up to the point where, well, maybe he's not even going to play this year. Um, You know, obviously Adam's uh, report on the day, Adam Schefter's report on the day of the draft. um, You know, I had actually called Adam that day or that day before to ask him if he had heard, I said, I think at that point was when the rumors about San Francisco, uh, you know, inquiring, I called Adam and I said, Adam, have you heard this? And Adam just said, Rob, sit tight. I'm working on something bigger that I think we're going to go with. And he sent me basically a rough draft of the story. Uh, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> this, uh, this is something, you know? And he, he said, you know, asked me to tweak it or, you know, edit it and add some things if there was things that, you know, he didn't have and, about three hours, you know, it was about three hours after I sent him the story back that he finally went to publish. And at that point, obviously well, all hell broke loose, but, um, you know, I think there were definitely signs leading up to, to that day that, you know, things could go one way or the other.
1: Yeah. Okay. Can you give us a clear interpretation of Aaron Rogers new agreement with the Packers?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think if you boil it down to to one thing that by – and we there's so much, you know, mumble jumbo in the contract, but by lopping off the 2023 season, um, by structuring it the way they did, it makes it easy for them to move on after this season, and it makes – it essentially gives Rodgers the freedom – to move on so it basically gives both parties an easy out after this season
1: okay. and is there any possibility he plays next year for the Packers sure yeah
2: there, there is I mean I, I you know he could come he could say you know man I really had a great year I really enjoyed it Um, you know whatever I was feeling last year you know I don't feel anymore Uh, sure there, it's very possible now everyone says well, if he wins the Super Bowl, he has to come back. I, sure, but you could also argue if he wins the Super Bowl, it's a great time to walk away and say, "Hey, I gave I gave you another Super Bowl. Um, you know, now I'm going to go try it somewhere else." And uh, look, I'm sure there's probably a lot of uh, part of him that would love to, you know, do what Brady did and, you know, try to sort of dictate. Look, we know now that he wants more control, right? He knows that he wants control over decisions that are made about players. If You look at Tom Brady in Tampa, it looks like he has that right. I mean, he went yeah. to Tampa, He basically signed or drafted everybody he wanted. Rogers probably wants to maybe he wants to do that in, in whether it's you know Denver or you know wherever it may be. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, so you know, Big B, I think there's a possibility either that it goes either way. The one thing I've learned about Rogers is that he, um. He tends to, I don't want to say make threats about things, but he tends to say things that maybe he doesn't necessarily always follow through on. He certainly took it further than I ever thought he would take it or has taken it in the past this year, but he ultimately didn't take it all the way. Right. So I guess the question is, would he really take it all the way and say, I want out here. And that I don't know. He took it. He got closer to that than I ever thought he would get. And he got closer to that than anything he's ever threatened to do before. Um, and, and so, so I don't know.
0: Now, do you think, uh, and I think Rogers press conference was really revealing in this, mm. you know, like you just mentioned that he wants more control uh, that he wants more say, do you think the Packer the Packer way virtually how the Packers have run since Ron Wolf Wolf came in here and changed things around is kind of, uh, difficult to pair with a superstar quarterback into, you know, today's NFL true. environment.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, you sort of wonder, okay, the first thing they did was trade for Randall Cobb. And at that point, you wondered, okay, is this the beginning of a bunch of moves that Rogers wants, or is this the one move that they're going to yeah. give Rogers? And I would say that it's probably the one move that they gave him. Um, I thought what was interesting and, and I'm just not blowing my own horn because I asked the question, but in that long press conference, Joey, where he basically confirmed everything that Schefter had reported, you know, he went through his listing of grievances one by one by one. Somewhere in there, I said, um, I asked Rogers, I said, so do you think you've gotten any of the things that you've asked for? And he just said, Rob, I don't know. And and I think that's probably true. Like, he, he doesn't know, you know, at that time, he didn't know how much he was going to get that he wanted. And I think at this point, here we are, what? Six weeks later or eight weeks later, he probably still doesn't know exactly. Um, But I think he does love football, does love his, you know, his teammates and his coaches enough to put it aside and and play one more year. You know, the question is what happens next year when he's got to make basically the same decision again.
0: Yeah, it's not over. The Rodgers trauma is not – we got a whole offseason ahead of us next year as well.
2: Yeah, we just – you know, and, and, you know, it's going to be an issue – at various times, you know, during the season, I don't think it's going to be an issue right now, or at least at the start of the season, but it's going to come up, you know, time and again, Yep. Um, you know, and every little comment he makes is going to be analyzed and overanalyzed. And, you know, that's just, that's part of it, I think.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that I, I will definitely have to have pregame on mute, commentators on mute during the whole, I'll, I'll stick to the TV watch party. So I don't have to have a recount of the drama every time uh let's see here uh another player uh that was kind of in the news I don't remember if you um were leading scoop uh guy on Devontae Adams uh a few weeks ago uh I know Ian Rapport said that they were they were in a rough place Devontae Adams and Mm -hmm. the Packers on a contract extension uh do you know anything more about that
2: no, I, I think Ian's. I think Ian was the first one to have that. I think he's probably right. Um, he's definitely right. I mean, <laughs> otherwise they'd have a deal done by now, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think that I give um, I give and Adams credit for being open and honest about um, you know what they want, and, and Devontae wants to be the highest paid receiver. Uh, Brian Gudikun said, "Well, we think he deserves to be the highest paid receiver, but we don't agree on what the highest paid receiver is." Right, and it's uh, it's the whole. Um, it's DeAndre Hopkins deal. And, you know, he did a two year extension and Devontae Adams looks at that and says the two year extension pays 27 and a half million, which is true, but you can't forget about the remaining three years that he had on that deal. So when you average it out, you know, it's really more like 22 or whatever, 22, 20, it's not 27 and a half million, but Adams and his his people look at it like, well, it's 27 and a half million and we want that or more. So You know, know, this is not unusual, like, um, you know, for for news to come out that contracts have, talks have broken down. Heck, I think we had, you know, we heard the same stuff about Aaron Jones at this time last summer, and I don't remember exactly about Bakhtiari, but I'm guessing there was times where, you know, those talks had had broken off and, you know, eventually they got both deals done. not saying that, you know, it's guaranteed that that's going to happen, but I think what people have to remember is, um, by that news getting out, like someone wanted that news out, right? It yeah. certainly probably wasn't the Packers. <laughs> so you have to say it was probably coming from Devontae Adams. And they wanted it out because they wanted to force the Packers hand. It's a negotiating tactic. Um, doesn't mean that it's not true, but it also is a negotiating tactic.
0: Yeah, I, I do definitely think the story got a little bit overblown and when everybody was freaking out about it that first morning. Um, and even the press conference, I think uh, Devonte had that day or the following day yeah. where he said, you know, exactly the words of, uh, no, I'm not going to settle for anything less right. than being the highest paid wide yeah. receiver. Which the I mean, why me would he say anything in else office. in a press conference? Right.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not going to say, well, yeah, maybe I'll accept less. You right, right. His, agent, his agent would kill him. So, Yeah, yeah. but it, it was, I thought, you know, the one good thing that came out of it is I thought there was some open and honest dialogue.
0: Sure. Um, well, let's wrap it up here. Packers versus Saints this upcoming Sunday, opening the season in Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, a true... weird,
1: huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the in- interesting situation here. Um, so last year, the Packers beat the Saints uh, in actually the Saints' stadium, 37-30 uh, mm-hmm. to 30, week three. Um, the Saints will be out without Michael Thomas, uh, Drew Brees retiring. They also had, uh, I believe, their kicker, Will Lutz, Um, has an injury, and then uh, somebody on the defense line, I can't recall who that is, is also suspended. So they are a little bit, uh, have a little bit of an injury, some turnover from last year. Um, but, uh, last year, I, you know, you shouldn't be too, too excited about Drew Brees not being there anymore. I mean, last year he wasn't the star quarterback that he was, uh, just a shadow of it. Um, but that defense will still be a force to be reckoned with. Um, Let's go around here. Um, Let's, Big B, I'll start with you. Where do you think the Packers have the biggest advantage over the Saints?
1: I'm going to say wide receivers over the corners. Um, Last year, Alan Lazard had a phenomenal game versus the Saints. And um, MVS didn't really have a big game. But when you add Randall Cobb into that, it should be really fun. And Marshawn Lattimore will most likely cover up Devontae the entire game and don't really want to throw out Marshawn Lattimore. So the backups have to step it up.
0: Yeah, some big opportunities for MVS, Cobb, Lazard, like you mentioned. Um, This this is a a good question that I myself wrote in the script. Uh, I think about this here. Um, See, Alvin Kamara is definitely going to be a trouble, but I also think Aaron Jones uh, might be able to set himself up for a good game. We'll have to see how that offensive line performs. Two rookies uh, most likely starting on it with Royce Newman, Josh Myers. Um, but hopefully uh, they can set up a good game for Jamal, uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, not Jamal Williams, unfortunately, but Aaron Jones uh, and Kylan Hill. Uh, Rob, let's, let's hear your uh, opinion. Where do you think the Packers have the biggest advantage over the Saints?
2: I think it's the location of the game. I really huh. do. I mean, they caught a huge break last year. Um, not having to play with fans, right? I mean, the Superdome, I can't remember who it used to be. I don't know who sponsors it, but will just call it the Superdome, whatever it is now. That is one of the loudest, if not the loudest, places I've ever been in the NFL. So last year to go in there with no fans, huge advantage. This year, like you said, Joey, to go in there with two rookie offensive linemen making their first start and not have to worry about crowd noise, Uh, In fact, I mean, Jacksonville, there might be just as many Packers fans as there are Saints fans. Um, I think that's a huge advantage. I actually wrote a piece about Josh Myers that's running this week. And in there, there's a little nugget about the last time the Packers have opened the season with two rookie starting offensive linemen. Um, I'll just say this. I don't I think you guys were probably born when it happened, but probably not even old enough to to walk. So it's been a long time you You have to read the piece to find out.
0: Oh, boy. Uh, thanks, Rob, so much for your time. We'll uh, let you get to your actual job now.
2: I appreciate it, guys. Good luck and, and keep doing what you're doing.
0: We appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, we're in the, the uh, media room with, with you in a few years here.
2: <laughs> I, hope I, I hope by the time that happens, I'm retired.
0: <laughs> uh, you might you be doing
2: my job. You might have my job. <laughs>